podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome back to a Celtic State of Mind. It's a Tuesday afternoon. I'm Paul John Dykes and today we've got the full squad. It's James McKenzie, Liam Carrigan and Lawrence Connolly. Now, James, you took a much-deserved week off last week. I thought you were going to transmit. You weren't going to transmit. What were you up to? No, nah, I went down to London. I went down south for wireless. I didn't really have a week off. The day I was supposed to do the podcast on the Tuesday, I was pouring pints in a bar, so... The, the graft was still getting put in, but it's interesting. I'm back in the, the sort of contributor seat rather than the hosting seat. It's a lot less comfortable this seat than the one in the studio, but should be good fun. Listen, um, this is always welcome. This seat is always welcome if you want to give me a wee break, and I'm sure many of the listeners would welcome that because I got loads of great feedback. There is loads to talk about, loads to talk about, guys. Um, we'll come back to the old transmit thing because it's a festival I've never been to, um, and I'm wanting to know what do you think in the, the comments? Has Tina Park ever really been replaced? Because Tina Park was my era. I'll be coming to Liam and Lawrence and asking you guys your uh, memories of that. A wee bit before your time, James, I'm guessing, Tina Park? Yeah, I think I think even the first transmit, I would have, it was about 2015 maybe, so it's just, after, just before my time. Wow. 2015, believe it or not, I'll come to you first, Liam, was the year in which Syed Haksabanovic made his debut over in Sweden for Halmstadt. He was 15. He was a child prodigy. And within two years, he had a big money move to West Ham United. At that time, Slavin Bilic was the manager and he was replaced in the November by Davy Moyes. He played two first-team games for West Ham in that first season. And in season two and three, he was loaned out to various teams playing his football in Spain, back in Sweden, before he got a permanent move to Norrköping. Then he went to Ruben Kazan and then we got him on the cheap due to the political situation uh, over there. And he is one of four players, Liam, that I have named as being Ange Postecoglou's second season signings, who I think will do well for Brennan Rodgers. What's your thoughts on Hak Zabanovic? Yeah, I totally agree. I think he's very much a Brendan Rodgers type of player. He's a, he's a project player because you you know he's got the skills, you know he's got the, the flashes of absolute brilliance. But at the same time, we're not exact. We never quite figured out exactly how to deploy him to his most effective uh, mm-hmm. last season. Jota going opens up a wee gap in the team there. So whether it's a case of playing him where Jota played or rejigging the the forward line to accommodate what we call the, the, the classic number ten, which I think is probably Haktamanovic's best position, um, we'll wait and see. But I I think he's a guy that, along with Maeda. It's, it's a guy who I think Rogers could really work with and improve and better utilise in the team. Mm-hmm. No, I, I was thinking about it yesterday. I was writing a blog on Axom Dot. 
net um, in and around some of the players who we might have got those glimpses from last season, Liam. And I think we did from Haksabanovic. And and then I was thinking back, James, to how Brennan Rodgers uses his uh, wingers. Now, obviously, um, I'm talking mainly around the, his time at Celtic and I'm thinking of Paddy Roberts cutting inside. Skit Sinclair used to like cutting inside. I think that would probably suit Haksabanovic a wee bit more than hitting the byline, getting the crosses over. But like Liam... I'm not sure he's a winger. I don't think he's got the pace for it. Yeah, he's had a sort of really confusing time at Celtic so far, say attacks about it, which I'm always really wary of players who they perform well in glimpses, but you never get it over a full 90. Because if you're not getting it over a full 90, how are you going to get consistent performances over the full course of a season? It doesn't really sort of add up where his best position is through the middle. I don't think, have we seen him through the middle in a Celtic shot yet? Haxabanovic. The best game I've seen him playing was against Dundee United back in November. Uh, where he, he ended up getting the uh, player of the month that that campaign. A lot of his uh, play was through the middle, but I'm not sure that's where he was playing, to be honest with you, James. I think he was just roving that day, full of confidence. Yeah, it's whenever he, he put in a good performance coming off the bench, I think. He, was it Dundee he got the brace against earlier back in November? It was a really good performance then. I think they had a good performance around March time before we played against Hearts in the game in the Scottish Cup and when the event got that start a really anticipated start he didn't really perform to the abilities that we knew he could and that's just sort of a consistent theme so far from him so we know that Rogers is well known for his man management we know that if a player needs a change of direction or perhaps even a change in style to suit their play a bit more Rogers can be the man to supply that and we'll see if Haxbanovic can be one of Rogers' key players because Celtic need a return on investment. They did pay that money from, and as he mentions, a couple of those second season players that we need to see a return on investment and in that we haven't seen yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, the other three that I named, and you can agree and disagree, please do so in the comments. Uh, ladies and gents, where Big O, I think he's going to be really suited to Brendan Rodgers' style play. I'm harking back to his first time at Celtic, of course, uh, when we played mainly. Uh, Dembele and Eduard as well as uh, Wee Lee Griffiths now plying his trade at Mandura FC who are so low down in the Australian football tier that you can't get their stats to see if he's scoring any goals um, and then the other players are Awata who again I've liked the look of Awata um, other than when he played that first game at centre half I think it was against St Mirren Liam wasn't it he had a torrid time against St Mirren um, and then I think he played pretty well in the cup final albeit against lower league opposition. Um, and, of course, the fourth player, one of your favourites, uh, Lawrence, is Alistair Johnston. And he's a no-brainer because we know that he's got it. But I think he's going to be better suited not playing it as an inverted fullback if indeed Rodgers decides to do away with the inverted fullbacks. What's your take on those four, Lawrence? Can you see them um, coming to fruition almost or, or getting uh, uh, you know, our money's worth out of them in, in next season under Brendan Rodgers? Oh. On Haksabanovic, I suppose, uh, I don't think he's got speed to play in the, as a winger for, for Rogers, but it's him in the Tom Rogic position, you know, where Rogers used to deploy Tom Rogic. It seem maybe through there, possibly get more joy out of him there. As you said, Johnston. Just, I think he's huge upgrade in Juranovic, whether it's inverted or more traditional. I think he'll perform both roles well. Uh, you know, Rogers had toyed with inverted fullbacks at Leicester so I don't expect it to be done away with altogether I'm sure that he's been studying the videos uh, seeing what, what systems will best suit who he's got just now mm. uh, a lot I think yeah that, 
he's possibly the best midfielder at the club, I think, the water. Uh, stop the deployment at centre half, get him in the midfield. Do you think he's what better than O'Reilly and Hatati? look like, you know, isn't it? Well, that that's a bold statement because I think that's the strongest area of our our team, the midfield. And obviously, there's a couple of midfielders in the tagline there. We're going to be talking about improved deals on O'Reilly, Hatati, and potentially Carter Vickers. Am I hoping for too much today? Probably. Uh, people are reading into everything that's uh, happening from the social media team uh, because there was two empty blocks on the loading screen. That means we're going to um, announce another two long-term deals with our players. Of course it does. Um, we're getting bored during the pre-season looking at every nuance on the social media. Double denim. Yeah, we will be talking about Jota as well. Definitely would like to see Hatati and Carter Vickers commit to new deals. O'Reilly, I'd like to see stay but want a few more goals from him this season. That really was what was missing last time round for O'Reilly, Liam, wasn't it? I mean, people look at last yeah. season and think that maybe it wasn't as good, but I thought his performances were there when you look at it. And um, if he's fit, he plays for, or he played for Ange Postacoglu. Well, the uh, the stats show that his assist um, ratio was very, very high. I think he might have had the highest number of assists of, uh, of any player on the team, actually. Um, so, you know, there's more to being a good midfielder than just scoring goals. And uh, I think O'Reilly proved that last season. He, he kind of flew under the radar a bit last season because everyone was raving about Hatati, who I think had an excellent season overall, though he faded a wee bit towards the end. Um, Callum McGregor just... It's just Callum McGregor. He's just, you know, you know what you're getting with him and it's always a, a 9 out of 10 or a 10 out of 10 every week. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think O'Reilly just kind of flew under the radar a wee bit, but I thought he had a very solid season. I thought he did well. Yeah, he did. I'll be talking about O'Reilly because he is one of the players that's on the tagline there. Uh, but seeing how you mentioned McGregor, one of the other midfielders, James, I'll come to you first on this. Um, he signs a five-year deal. We, we spoke about it, Kevin and I, yesterday. Um, it's, it's a massive boost, obviously, on the back of Kyogo and, and Maeda signing uh, these contracts as well. It shows that these people are buying into whatever Rogers is selling them. Um, but it's also, you know, in in the preseason, yeah, you, you're you're looking for new guys in. We know that there's areas of that squad that we want to strengthen, James. But these are massive positive developments as well. When the club captain pens a new five-year deal, I was talking yesterday about how he'd been at the club for 20 years, which is just frightening. If he continues in this vein in terms of the consistency of performance, it could be right up there in the top five uh, Celtic um, appearances throughout the club's history. Um, and I just think at this point, are we are we now approaching potentially the peak of McGregor? Has he already hit that? I mean, I think he could develop even further under Rodgers. Yeah, I've said a few times on the podcast, I think he's been playing his best football under Ange the sort of last two years. And we know the connection that Rodgers and McGregor had, so much so that Rodgers tried to take McGregor to Leicester with him. They have such a tight-knit bond together there, and those two working together for Celtic, it's only going to be even better. But just on the transfer window, I would... I don't know if I'd be hoping that we'd be doing things a bit quicker if that's just the fact that a player's left for £25 million and the most we've spent on a player was around £2.5 million. I don't know if I'm just wanting us to speed things up a bit, perhaps get a big signing in fairly soon, but it seems like Celtic are just building the foundations at the moment of how Rodgers is going to have this team working, tying down the players that are going to be the key parts and play the key cogs in this future Celtic team because we've already lost one of them I'd imagine Jota was going to play a massive part 
and Brendan Rodgers' plan. So he's just getting these players tied down and ensuring they're at the club for next season. I think perhaps a bit later on in the window, we'll start spending a bit more of the money. Yeah, this is the thing because we already had a, a nice wee bounty to chip away and then obviously Jota leaves the building. There might be a few other uh, payments coming in for sales, sell-ons for the likes of Frimpong and Tierney down the line. Um, but this is as important, Lawrence, you know, to get all your ducks in a row, to get McGregor, the club captain, right behind Rodgers and what we're doing. And obviously he signed up for the five years, which would suggest he's going to end his career. We know that anything can happen in football, but it looks as though he's going to be a one-club man. Um, yesterday after the show, Lawrence had made comments around the captaincy of Celtic. Um, and before making the comments, I, I did state unreservedly that Paul McStay was in my mind the maestro and I wasn't saying McGregor was a better player absolutely not but I think he's a better captain and you know I've had some feedback on that saying yeah but it's it's a lot easier to captain a, a winning side well he took the captaincy when we weren't a winning side didn't he I think he's been phenomenal in the last two years as James says can he get better under Rodgers oh he can undoubtedly get better under Rodgers but you know he took the captaincy after a bad season but you know we've been the dominant team this century you, you, you know, family and the most dominant team. So I think, you know, when Paul was captain, it was a, perhaps a harder time for the club. You know, and, you know, through those years, a, a lot resting on guys like Tom Boyd, John Collins, Peter Grant, Paul McStay, you know, some of the players we were signing at the time were maybe not, not a standard of player you'd ever thought you'd have seen a Celtic shirt, you know, Wayne Biggins and guys like that. It's... Try so, to tell me you didn't rate Wayne Biggins, Lawrence. No, he wasn't one of my favourite players. Mate. I remember no. I got him to sign my my programme. We were playing St Johnston midweek game. Might have been his debut. I'd need to check the wiki. I got sure him to it, sign the programme. Sure, sure he didn't go for the programme and sign your hand? <laughs> probably missed, I. He probably but, uh, did. Listen, getting players signed up is brilliant. I mean, you can only imagine the uproar if you'd let two of your stars walk away and feed them a contract. What would the papers be saying? Be slaughtering us. Oh, they would. And by the way, can I just make a point, Lawrence? You're talking about the dark old days. Absolutely, they were. Completely different times. But um, one player that I don't like being thrown into the mix when we're talking about, you know, Wayne Biggins and all they guys is uh, Willie Faulkner. Because I remember singing the song, Ooh, ah, Willie oh, Faulkner. Remember that piece oh, yes. against Brazilians at Hampton from Flamenco? Oh, yeah. Just inside it, the, the half. Oh, what a goal. They had a left winger called, was it Savio? Yeah, he ended up going to Real Madrid. I can't mm. all out to sign him. He just couldn't get over the line. Tom Boyd, I tell you what, he gave him a torrid night. Um, yeah. Those those were the dark old days. Um, talking of uh, dark old days, you're wearing the uh, dark Celtic kit there, Lawrence. I can see that there. Um, have you gone for long sleeves, short sleeves, sponsorless? Short sleeves, mate, with, with the sponsor on it. Uh, it just popped over to the shop at the weekend. Tell you what, see that home shop, mate. I'm... I'm I hated it when I saw pictures of it. Now I've seen it in the flesh. James knows what's coming. Decent. James knows what's coming. In the flesh, I think it's decent. Stop it, right? Honestly, Honestly you're being I, brainwashed. I'm starting to leave when I was at the airport. He's ganging up on me, lads. I saw it in the J D Sports, and I was like, you know what? It this looks pretty good, you know? Yeah, it looks good. You are at it. You two are at it. Liam, have I still got your back up on this? Liam's not well, seen it in the flesh yet. Is it three one? I'll see. I'll see it in the flesh next week, and I'll I'll make my final decision then. Um, 
<laughs> By the way, right, it doesn't matter because we had some cracking strips in the 90s and we never won anything, right? So, you know, at the end of the day, it matters at the end of the season as to what trophies that you win. I totally get it, right? But my football anorak, a football jersey anorak, so, you know, humour me. I know, uh, humour me on that, right? Um, Liam, on that note, what are, what are you wearing today? What is that? This is the uh, the Japan. I think it's either the third kit or a training shirt. I'm not sure, but it's um, it, yeah, it, it's uh, it's some form of a of Japan national team shirt, but I'm not exactly sure of the 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 status of it. But it's got a really nice wee um, on the on the back of the neck. There is what looks like a five leafed clover, but is actually like a I believe it's a, a sakura flower, which is like a Japanese emblem. But it looks like a clover with five leaves. So nice, looks good. White, a clover on it that will do me. Absolutely. <laughs> what's what's your take on uh, the McGregor saying it's huge? Something like that is huge. And and although it's preseason, we're all getting excited about bringing in new players, Liam. This is as important as uh, signing a new player. I would suggest. I keep I keep going back to it, but the the day that Rogers became manager, I I said that my biggest concerns were that he was going to break up the team and he was going to pivot back to signing also runs from the English leagues. Um, we have tied down two of our uh, Japanese stars and we've tied down our captain and we're still looking at, you know, we've signed a, another player from the, the Asia Pacific region in Marco Tilio. So the signs are that the, the progress that was started under Ange is going to continue and, if anything, accelerate under Brendan Rodgers. Yeah. Um, we talk about statement signings. Those three contract announcements are statements, in my opinion. Um, absolute time. statements. Uh, because you better believe those guys will be on plenty of money if, uh, if they've signed up for that length of time. Well, there was talk, Liam, wasn't there, around interest? I don't know if, obviously, it filtered through to Japan. You, you were talking about um, the fact that if something is reported over there, it's because there is good source material. Um, mm -hmm. Kyogo, there was some interest, apparently, from the Bundesliga. Last season, we heard interest um, from the EPL for Maeda. So they, they two guys, um, obviously, the vultures are circling. And for more, hence the, the tagline today, um, can we get some more players signed down on contracts? It's only a matter of time before people are saying, never mind the new contracts, where's my new signing? Because that's what happens on the <laughs> socials. Um, here we go, Sned. 1967 afternoon, folks. More hoping for big signing at the minute than sorting those three. Yeah, I get that. I totally get it because it's that that season really. It's a close season. And Celtic are during um, this week off to a Portuguese training camp um, where Brendan Rodgers is looking to get them even fitter. James, he's talking about his brand of attacking aggressive football. That's twice he said that now, uh, but he reckons he can take them up a level physically. Um, he was talking about that, and when you look at Hatati and, and even O'Reilly, you look—they look as though they've been working out already over the course season. They look in great shape. Uh, two games, first one tomorrow, and then on Saturday against the same side, Porto Menens. We're not going to see it though because they're not being televised, unfortunately. Yeah, Rogers he done something similar in his first spell at Celtic, taking that Dyla team, a team that had sort of rejected Rory Dyla's philosophies and turned them into the absolute treble winning machines that they they went on to become and we know how fit the team is that Ange already has they go gung-ho for the full 90 minutes of the year. even if they can't do the full 90 minutes we do sometimes concede some late goals we do always score late goals as well 
I don't know if what Brendan's saying is he wants him to be even more aggressive and even more sort of gung-ho than what Rogers' team was and if he's going to try and get them to be a bit more smarter about how they mm. sort of use their energy in these games because there's going to be periods, especially in the Champions League, there's going to be periods where you have to attack, there's going to be periods where your back is going to be against the wall and just truth be told, Celtic can't go gung-ho in the Champions League against Aviamagin because they're fitter than us and they're better than us and chances are over the course of the game, as you saw in the 3-0 game at Celtic Park, we started to tire out and that's where they got us. So if Rodgers can teach us to sort of conserve our energy a bit more, it could be a bit better for Celtic in the Champions League especially. Yeah, you know this, James, you're right. And I think last season we spoke about it on on uh, the bulletins and on the match days as well. And even domestically near the end of the season, Lawrence, there, there were occasions. I mean, I'm thinking St Mirren, when you're coming up against Curtis Main, who I think has been freed by St Mirren. I don't know if he's signed for a new club. He could have scored four goals against us. Has he signed up somewhere else, James? I, um, I'll have a look at that. He could have scored four goals that afternoon. He scored two and he bullied us. And so when I'm hearing that Brennan wants us to be attacking and, and more aggressive, you know, that's music to my ears because we cannot be bullied, uh, in particular uh, on the European stage as well. Was, was it Brenda that brought in Jim McGuinness as a football coach? The, you know, the former Donegal manager? You know, the Gaelic boys tend to be a bit fitter, a bit more robust. Mm. You know, we, we, we might need that. I see a, a, across the city, it seems to be, you know, you've got to be six foot plus to get signed. You know, I don't know what style of football they'll be going for, but it's something we might need because, you know, in games we have looked lightweight. You know, we've said that in midfield we could do with a bit more. Yeah. You know, Alistair Johnston seems to be, to, to be the boy that's a bit more aggressive that we could do. I think the, the team lacks it a bit. You know, someone like when Yama in midfield. You know, but so maybe that's what he's talking about as, as well. Getting uh, more easily able to handle kind of the aggressive tactics they need to face against this. So big thing, Lawrence. Against that. I'm just going to clarify this because people will say you've just told us to sign Wanyama. That's not what you were saying. You're saying the Wanyama type of player. Yeah, no, no. Big, strong, aggressive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah his time's long gone, isn't it, with us? And yeah. Great as he was for us. You know, what, what sign? Remember, we signed him. I thought, what we signed an Armand Fielder for? I remember um, we played Patrick Thistle in a bounce game uh, for Hill. And uh, Isa Giri was coming back from a broken leg that day. And Wanyama was there and he was... You were just standing at the, the dugout. And um, they were not prepared for the Green Brigade and everybody to turn up that day. The place was absolutely mobbed um, for Hill because it was it was one of these games. I think it was maybe announced a few days before. I remember it was probably even pre-my usage of social media. I'd just seen it on the Celtic FC website. It was, you know, that period of the pre-season or whenever, whenever it was. Um, great day, really, really sunny. And I decided that day I'd never wanted to see Morton Rasmussen ever wear a Celtic jersey again. He was horrendous. Um, what do you make of this then, uh, Liam? Obviously, it's not just about buying guys with a height, as Lawrence was saying there. Um, it's more about that aggression. I think there's a bit of an aggression in Awata. I liked when Awata played in midfield against Rangers last season. I thought we'd seen a bit of that bite that might, might be missing from some of our more creative flair players. Um, and do you think it is something that was missing from Angie's team last year? Um, at times, yes. Um, I think we are noticeably more fragile when Cameron Carter-Vickers isn't playing. Yeah. Just yep. The whole unit just seems more fragile when he's not there. So I think if we are going to make a big signing soon, 
I would hope it's another centre back of his calibre, of his physique um, and his ability. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, midfield, no, I think Iwata can fill that role. People keep saying, you know, it's not. I don't blame them because they have the archetype of a Japanese player in their mind, and Kyogo fits that archetype, right? But they think that Japanese players are small and slight. If I'm not mistaken, Iwata's six foot, and he's a he's a big bit of a boy. He's muscular. He can he can throw himself into a tackle. And uh, he is as potentially as physical as somebody like Victor Wanyama in his prime. Um, so I think he has the potential to really fulfil that role if that mm-hmm. is what Rogers is going to be looking for. If we do go with the two holding midfielders, as we suggested in Europe, McGregor and Iwata are just tailor-made for that, in my opinion. Mm. It will be interesting to see. I was impressed. He's another one of these and second season signings that I'm tipping to have a good season under Rodgers. Um, we've got to watch what we do on Axon because Kev Graham last week was tipping Adam Montgomery to be an absolute legend and 40 <laughs> minutes later he signed for Fleetwood. Uh, but that's what you do. You put it out there. If there is any breaking news uh, in relation to new deals or new signings, let us know in the comments section. If you want to comment, all you need to do is subscribe to the channel on YouTube. It's absolutely free. Uh, whilst you're in there, give us a thumbs up as well because you do get a few prowlers and trolls and all that coming in just to give you a thumbs down. Don't know why on earth they would like to do that. So you can counteract that. We've been linked, James, to a number of players. I know you'll be keeping your your ear to the ground on this. But one that caught my notice yesterday, caught my attention, was Donny van de Beek. Um, Some people think that's a a non-starter due to probably the price range. We're we're looking probably at a loan if you were to try and get him in. Um, Celtic have been noted as having an interest by um, a a publication who are also online. And obviously, the minute that's happened, every single Celtic uh, blog has reported on it, which is understandable. Um, It would pique your interest, of course you would, when you look at where he's been and who he plays for and what level he's played at. Is he the type of player that we should be looking at? Well, it'd be an absolutely phenomenal signing, first of all. When you think of the Ajax team that got to the Champions League semi-final about four years ago, he was one of the key players. I remember, I think it was... uh, even the semi-final in the first leg of the Spurs they had, it was him that put them in front and had them leading in the tie. He was one of their main men and he was one of the guys that ended up leaving for big money, but he's just not really worked out at Manchester United and I've got no idea why. Just constantly being on the bench. And even with the Manchester United manager coming in to Hague who worked with him at Ajax, he's not been able to get a tune out of him. He's completely turned a blind item as well. He had a loan spell at Everton. I can't remember if that was last season or the season before and that didn't work. So if, he, if Manchester United and Van de Beek are looking at it as he needs to take a step below Everton, then you're looking at perhaps either going back to Ajax or coming to a team like Celtic. And he's shown that he can perform in a team that is expected to dominate their league, which I always think is something that you've got to be looking at when you're looking at a player that's going to come and join Celtic. Can they play well as a team that's going to be on the front foot the entire of the game and they're going to be dominating? And Van de Beek has shown that. If... I don't think it's realistic at all, to be honest with you. But you can dream, can't you? We've got Brendan Rodgers in. We're like, we'd like to think our sort of transfer scope is going to be a bit wider now. So, yeah, we'll be hoping perhaps we might see Donny van de Beek on. It'll be definitely be a loan deal if he's going to come in. But yeah. I'd love to see I mean, what, what was the fee? What was the fee when he went to Man U? It was over £30 million, wasn't it? I mean, it was 30 40 something like that. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. massive money, but still big money. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things, you know, that maybe Man U and Tony van der Beek's looking at is 
Rogers' reputation for revitalising players. Look, you know, mm. look where Scott, you don't where Scott Sinclair had come up first time round. Maybe they're looking at it and saying, well, actually, who could get him back into some kind of form that, you know, Man United can, can then either sell him or, or play him? There's two things there, Lawrence, right? Now, James obviously is being balanced there by saying that there's, you know, it would be a it would be a coup and a half if we were ever to get a player like this. And this comes down to, by the way, as a Celtic fan, I don't think anybody should have a bit of reach, but in the modern game, that's exactly what's happened because it's, it comes down to the finances. But when you start looking at some of these, these uh, reasons for it being a good idea for a player, Lawrence, that is definitely one of them, isn't it? The Brendan Rodgers appeal. Um, and also the fact that you can offer him if he's going to be a player that's going to be getting games you can offer him that platform in the Champions League um, as well I don't think it's going to be something that will happen I've got to say but there are selling points there isn't there Liam I mean there are selling selling points for big high profile players you called them statement signings the other week I was calling them marquee signings is it necessary even to bring in a player of that kind of calibre that level I don't know, my, my, my mind's kind of wandering now because you said coup and a half and I'm suddenly thinking, what's Morelos doing? Anyway, <laughs> um, uh, but no, I, I, I don't know if it's necessary to spend that kind of money, but if you want to excite people mm-hmm. and put the, put the frighteners up your rivals, then that's the way to do it. Um, you know, you look back to the Martin O'Neill season when he brought in Chris Sutton, um, that was a statement, you yeah. know, um, not not just a, a striker, but, a, you know, an international class striker, a Premier League winning striker, if you remember, with Blackburn. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was an absolute revelation. And, you know, something like that. But at the same time, I really don't think that we should go back to the days where we're spending seven, eight, nine million on one player. I just think when you look at get, we've got guys like Kyogo and Hatate, uh, O'Reilly. Um, you know, we've got these players by exploring, shall we say, um, markets that are less utilised and less exposed, and therefore less inflated. Um, Van der Beek's a fantastic player, but. I would imagine that if we did a research, you might find somebody still in the Dutch league who might potentially be as good. Um, well, th- this is the thing. This is the thing because that profile, Liam, um, is huge. But we have found a successful way, and even when we need to push it up, push the bar up to a CCV or a Jota, we've found a way to bring in players that that is working for us. So why completely tear up that rule book, that recruitment rule book, uh, and go all out because you want to make a, a statement? And, and what I'm asking there, and I think you've answered it perfectly, and I agree with you. We don't really need to make that statement, but because you're in that frenzied period of the pre-season, everybody wants the news, they want a sign-in. It's only a matter of time before um, anything, like for, to, for example today, right? So Charlie Tully was born on this day, um, today, back in 1924. So, you know, next week, if we're going to say, you know, XL Charlie Tully was born on this day, all you're going to get in the comment section is announce a new signing. That's all you're going to get because people get into a frenzy. Um, but yeah, I think we've just got to be patient. I think we've just got to stick to our recruitment strategy because it's definitely worked. You were talking about opponents being quaking in their boots. I want to talk about an opponent now, James, in Heart of Midlothian. And Yesterday, reading the news that um, 
in terms of the allocation, they're going to be cutting that for, for Celtic next season. Um, now, obviously, they're following suit because we are in a situation with um, Rangers at Ibrox whereby no away fans will be going to Ibrox and vice versa at Celtic Park. It's kind of opened the floodgates for, for Hearts to do likewise. I mean, I seen yesterday Kevin was talking about the, the thought process behind it. Uh, with Hearts because there's empty seats when we play them at Tynecastle. You could then point towards the atmosphere, the spectacle, what this is actually doing to the dynamic of Scottish football when, potentially, there's going to be two fixtures next season that there'll be no away fans at. Because I'm guessing that if Celtic are offered 650 or 700 tickets to Tynecastle next next season, James, they will respond in the same way they did to the Ibrox allocation. Yeah, you'd have to imagine Celtic would probably false it. It's only right uh, I never know how to think about these ticket debates. As someone who doesn't go to as many games as a lot of people in the comments would, I mean, I have some of the same opinions, but I look at sort of both sides of the coin for for Hearts' decision. First of all, um, there's a financial way of looking at it. If they give, if they're not going to sell some of their tickets, give Celtic some of them. Then you've got to look at the competitive aspect as well. You've got to try and balance both things. If Hearts are looking at, we always talk about how teams in Scottish football they aren't competitive enough. They lack ambition. They lack the drive to try and push up and try and challenge ourselves to go to Rangers. But then we get a lot of complaints when they try and make things more competitive by creating a sort of stronger home advantage at their stadiums. It's it's very interesting. I'd, I'd like to see what the comments would think about it. Someone who doesn't go to the games, I don't have the strongest opinion on it. But there's two sides looking at the coin, the financial and the competitive sort of aspects of it. I'd like to see what um, Lawrence and Liam think of it. Yeah, definitely. Because the way I look at it, Lawrence, right, and it's not from a selfish perspective, right, because we have spoken about, you know, the, the teams who decide not to give us uh, another stand, for example, and then you go to the game and there's loads of empty seats. And that sounds like, for me, that's just a bad business decision. But let's talk about Scottish football, the strength of Scottish football. And a massive strength mm-hmm. is in its support. It's such a, a well-supported league, you know, and we see um, reports throughout the season uh, from people who monitor the amount of att- you know people that attend Scottish football games and they compare them to other European leagues, but a really well supported league, and you know there's two clubs now who are going to be affecting that spectacle and and the atmosphere at uh, you know potentially eight games now next season uh, because Celtic will obviously return the favour. I'm pretty sure if they go down the same route that they did with Rangers. What's your thoughts on it, Lawrence? Listen, I think you know the league should be regulating how many away tickets starters. You know, not a reasonable amount. You know, not a phrase that means nothing. You know what I mean? Put a number on it. Parts have come out and said, you know, it's due to ticket demand. I get that there's sometimes empty seats when we play them. You know, but if they've been sold this season, tickets. Who knows? We also don't need to run, or any football club doesn't need to be, be, be run for the benefit of Celtic, other than than Celtic. So you know, if they think it's it's going to be better for them. You know, it, it's it's up to them if they think it gives them a better chance of getting points. Let's be honest. And and James spoke about them them challenging us. You know, Hearts tried that and, and almost went bust and, and died. But obviously, their fans stepped up to the mark and, and saved them. So, if it is for fan fan demand that they are selling out season books, you can ha- hardly blame them for that. But there's definitely a problem with the league not mandating. You know teams should get away tickets or how many they should get but there's also the safety aspect I know it hasn't been the safest ground for a manager's time castle no so will they be able to keep the reduced numbers safe 
I don't think it's, it's been as many instances as Ibrox with supporters getting pelted with stuff, but to see if they can keep it safe. Maybe Hearts are looking and hoping we, we do take, you know, no tickets. Save them in policing costs. The thing yeah. with that as well, Lawrence, you, you're talking about, and I don't fully disagree with this, we only need to look after Celtic. Absolutely right, but if Celtic took the same kind of stance on this one, Liam, if you yeah. think about it, mm-hmm. we just announced that we've sold out our season tickets for the eighth season running. There is a huge demand. There's a waiting list. I've seen various figures, but there's a huge waiting list. Now, if the figures are what I've seen, we could sell out every single seat to season ticket holders. I mean, we could do that and just think, well, well, we'll just to look after Celtic. We're not interested in a spectacle. We're not interested in, in uh, the, the traditions of football, uh, which for over 100 years have meant that there are two sets of fans supporting their team, home and away. Um, what's your take on it, Liam? I um, I touched on this actually in, in one of the blogs I wrote last week for the uh, Axon.net. Um, in Japan, the J-League regulate all this, as as Lawrence touched on a minute ago. Mm-hmm. Um, prices are standardised across the entire league. Away ticket allocations are the same across the entire league. Well, the same proportion, the same percentage of the stadium. Basically, behind one of the goals is always the away end. Mm-hmm. That's just that's the way it is. No matter what stadium you go to, whether you go to see my local Matsumoto Yamaga, whose average gate is about 4,000, or you go to see, you know, Urawa Reds or Yokohama Marinos, who routinely get 35, 40,000. It's the same. About 10% is away supporters. And um, the other thing is pricing uniformity. Mm-hmm. Because there's a t- it's a two-way street here. Um, you know, you get fans of clubs, and I'm just I'm just plucking names. This is nothing against these clubs in particular, right? You get clubs like Aberdeen, St. Johnson, um, Ross County. Bit of a trek to come to Celtic Park already. They've got to pay a fair bit in travel costs to get there. And then they end up paying over what they think is over the odds for the ticket as well. Um, if you have regulated pricing across the entire league, they'll pay the same to watch their own teams they will to watch them at Celtic Park. And it also means that when we go to Pataudry or Tanadice or Tynecastle, we cannot get price gouged like we do now. Um, I really I really detest the idea that two fans are paying different amounts to watch the same game just because of the, the colour of shirt they're wearing. I think that absolutely stinks. And it really... It's something that should be regulated out of existence. Well, you know, it's one of these ones, I think, that we will continue to discuss. I'm sure there'll be comment from from Celtic. Um, I've got to say, I've enjoyed games where I've gone to Celtic Park and it's uh, exclusively Celtic fans that have been there. I think the atmosphere was tremendous. Uh, the flip side of that, I thought the game, which was pretty much meaningless, where we've got the Ibrox and the beaters, the atmosphere was bizarre. Um, obviously, I'm just watching it on the telly. I wasn't at the game. But I thought the atmosphere was really flat. Um, and if there's a spectacle to a particular game or a derby, and that is being affected by the away support not being there, then, you know, you would expect authorities to be strong. Um, but they never are in this country, are they, Lawrence, really, when it comes to Scottish football. Um, let's talk a wee bit then, James, about the tagline, right? Because on our WhatsApp group, 
as often happens, if there's a wee cryptic social media post from Celtic, it'll get shared about. And the feeling was um, there's a wee loading screen with five bars, three of which were already full, which uh, we have taken to be Maeda, Kyogo and McGregor, with two remaining. Uh, perhaps we're going to announce another two new deals. I've actually put three in there because I w- I'm greedy and I want O'Reilly, Hatati, and Carter Vickers. Um, if it is indeed another couple of um, current players signing new deals, will that give us an idea, James, of this potential second body that will be leaving the building this summer? No, we've, we've all mentioned how important continuity is, especially when the new manager's coming in. Although we've seen Brendan Rodgers at Celtic before, the team is completely different. The landscape of the club is completely different. It's in a better place than where it was when he left it in the first place. So it's all about him, as I mentioned earlier, laying down the foundations and assessing the squad first before we actually get out and spend the big money. It's all about patience, as he said. And tying down guys like Kyogo, guys like Cal McGregor, guys like, surprisingly, Dyes Maida. I've not had the chance to speak about it yet, but I was a bit shocked they signed the new contract. I did, I've mentioned on the show a few times, I didn't think he was a Rodgers-type player. But the fact that, he, that he's the second player that Rodgers had tied up a new deal after the best, or one of the best players at the club, might be a bit of a controversial opinion saying that. But... It's good that Rodgers is getting these players tied down because it shows that he knows who the important players are for his Celtic team, who he's going to build the squad around. He's building it around a Kyogo, a McGregor, a Maeda, and hopefully some of those guys in the tagline as well. So if I'm looking at those three, um, how long are their contract length? Do you know how long those guys have got left? Well, we've only signed Carter Vickers in the summer last season um, and I, although I want to say three years I would need to check on that O'Reilly and Atati similar when we signed them in, in that same January transfer window so um, I, I would like to say three years on all three of them I'll need to check that James but it's quite clear that these are three players who are going to be on the the radars yeah, of many think, clubs this summer with the, the Sharks starting to circle around them with all the Hatati rumours I've been getting quite a lot of fans including myself a bit nervous so Celtic just tying some of these guys down, not only just to keep them at the club, but to ensure an even higher sell-on fee when we do eventually get rid of them whenever that time comes. It, it, can, it can only be good for Celtic. Just build the foundations first and then they can go and spend the money. As much as, like you said, Celtic bands were greedy. We want Some people call it greed, some people call it ambition. I prefer to call it ambition. We, want, we all want to see Celtic as good as they possibly can be. And this is just the start of it. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that as well. I, I see it as ambition. Um, when we're looking at these three players, Lawrence, you know, one guy who's not on that tagline is uh, Leo Labada. There's been some specula- speculation about his future at Celtic as well. Do you still expect to lose another one? And I, I mean, obviously, we've um, hit the jackpot in terms of the transfer fee for Jota. But there was this feeling, and, and I think that um, Angie's words were that one or two would likely leave this summer. Do you still expect to lose one top player? I don't think we'll lose Cameron Carter Vickers you know, just coming back for injury. I, I think Abad is probably the most likely to go. He's, you know, there's been rumours he's been unsettled for a while, isn't there? Looking at, for a way out. You know, if, if we lose them, as long as we get the right uh, level of compensation for them and it's reinvested back in the squad, it wouldn't really bother me. You, you know, them moving on. You know that that happens in football, isn't it? You know, we buy players, we make a decent profit on them. And hopefully we're replacing them with somebody better. Yeah. So if someone goes, I just think it means that you know we're bringing someone in, yeah, or, or another one in. 
just when we're going to start bringing these players in. Well, this is the thing, though, because I don't like quality leaving Celtic. And it's mainly down to the fact that right, Jota's left, Lawrence. So you're saying, right, we need to bring another one in. It's going to be hard to replace Jota, isn't it? Like for like. That's not an easy task. Well, what do we, what do we pay from six million? Just over, aye. Six and a half. And we've got, what, 20, 25? But we're not going to spend that on a new player, are we? <laughs> no, but, you, you know, we've, we've got a fair amount of money to, to try and find someone similar to him. We don't expect us to spend all 25, but we could spend more than six and a half if we wanted. We identified somebody that fit, you know, fitted into our wage structure. I know our bring him in and prove him, sell them. You know, we could do another Odson Edward, buy, buy for nine, sell for 20, you know, whatever. It's it's where we are. It's, I mean, Rogers has come in and said he's really impressed with the recruitment setup we've got. Yeah. You know, so... Well, that's one we, thing that's much better, Lawrence, as James was saying earlier. That's one thing that's much better than when he walked in the building first time round. Yeah. So, with him saying that, if it's much better, it surely it makes it easier for us to identify players than before, if it is much better. Yeah. You know, we've got to look at recent, recent players we've signed. You know, we've had a, a high success rate under Ange over the quality. You know, it can mm. all be down to Ange. You know, part of the, the thing is we want a robust structure so when the manager moves, it doesn't affect every department. You know, Absolutely. The department can keep going. Tosh and team can keep identifying stars that we can afford to sign and, and improve it. Celtic, you know, in three or four years' how time. Big is, how big is that team that Tosh is in? You keep talking about our, our pal Tosh McKinley. How big is that team? The, oh, the scouting network? Is it huge? Oh, I mean, have they got scouts all over Europe and beyond? How does that work? So, I, I'm not too sure how, how big the Celtic team is, but they're going to be plug, plugging in agents, and agents will be approaching them as well, isn't it? So I suppose it's a bit, like, a bit like mixed economy staffing. You know, some will be employed with Celtic, some be freelance, and some... You know, you're plugging in agencies or, or t- to see who, who the best they've got is. You know, so You've just given me this vision of poor Tosh running about all over the place, jumping on yeah, planes. I, I, I think Tosh never no, stopped. No, he's not got any staff. <laughs> you know? Nah, I'm sure he's got a few, but uh, I'm sure he never stops. Yeah. That was somebody else's tagline. Talking of that, uh, mm-hmm. someone else's hairdo as well, James. What happens when Jota leaves? Do you, do you cut off those beautiful locks? What do you do with it? <laughs> well, it's still there just now at the moment. It's... <laughs> It was interesting when you were talking about George, you were talking about how much we would spend on a replacement. Do you think, well, what do you think the most that Celtic could spend on like, a Jota replacement? Do you think, I don't think Celtic could ever spend £25 million on a player. No. Because wages are £25 million player would demand. Do you yeah. think the next step is like £12 million then? £13 million, something like that? Well, I think you look at the work we put into Jota, that, that obviously resulted in him becoming a £25 million player. It was two years' worth of work. And I think the club are far more likely to try, and I, I don't mean go on the cheap, because we've shown that we can buy a player for £1.5 in Hatati, for example, who makes an incredible um, impression on the team. Matt O'Reilly is another example of that. And if those players you know, come to light in the scouting reports that, that Lawrence is talking about, I don't think we will delay in going out and buying them. The two guys that have come in so far, one and a half, two and a half million pounds, um, you know, one of them might be the star man. You just never know how that's going to develop. So it's a difficult one, James. But I think Celtic the fans, there's tag. a lot of people... No, it's, you're right, it's not the price tag. The skills, you know, yeah. we'll have a skill model. It's, the it's potential. Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, yep. we're interested. It's is he going to fit a model? Does mm-hmm. he have the skills? What's it? What's the potential here? So yeah, if Celtic keep making money on signings, if we can move from buying six million players and flipping them for twenty-five million up to buying an eleven million pound prospect and flipping them for thirty-five to forty million, That's surely it. we just keep on that natural progression. Yeah, I mean, I think we've seen a wee bit of that last year, didn't we, with Cartervickers and Jota coming in for their prices. Like that the was out of the range. Yeah, it was out of the range that we had used. Even though Starfelt and Kyogo had maybe been four to four and a half million, it did seem as though we were pushing the, the envelope a wee bit further. What's your take on it, Liam? Because there is a clamour for us to, to spend all this money. Um, if Jim Orr was on the show today, we'd be sweating at the thought of us spending all this money. Well, I mean... Okay, I'm, I'm biased in my view here. I'm not going to pretend to be otherwise. But when I look at the likes of the Australian market, the Korean market, the Japanese market, um, for $25 million, you could literally buy an entire team if you wanted to, right? An entire good quality team. So I just, I really, I don't think it's smart economics to spend all that, or all that money or a significant chunk of that money on one player. Um, you know, as, as James said, in the future, we could build up to a point where instead of signing guys for five and six million and selling them for 25, it's 10 or 12 and we flip them for 30 or 40. Um, the Saudis coming into this market have really kind of lit a fire under the English Premier League in the sense that they are no longer the biggest uh, players in the game. So it's a, the, the, there does seem to be a kind of element of shell shock in England at the moment in terms of transfers. Mm. Nobody really knows what to do because whatever they try and buy, the Saudis might just step in and gazump them. Um, so it's um, it has kind of brought in a kind of maybe a, a sense of a, a reevaluation across the entire transfer market. So I don't think it's good. I don't think it's smart money to spend twenty five million on anybody at the moment. Um, regardless of what team you are, because either the Saudis keep pumping in funny money and everything just spirals out of control, or, as I've been saying for years, the proverbial arse end is going to fall out of the English Premier League and there's going to be a massive reality check in the the, the absurd fees that they pay down there. Um, and either way, we don't want to be left holding the bag, having spent twenty-five million on a player that we then can't shift. Mm-hmm. Um, no, you're right. You're right. And, and again, and that goes back to income streams, Liam. Goes back to income streams. They, they, they've got massive, um, you know, lucrative income streams that we just cannot tap into. And I think that yeah. you know, on a smaller scale, when a club like Hearts or Rangers are, are selling their season tickets because there's a demand. You know what, in three years there might not be that demand, but you've already drawn a line in the sand with Celtic, who might not want to play ball with you in three years. And I just think it's it's kinda of, you know, looking at it from a business perspective, what you want is a, an income stream that's not a variable. It's a solid income stream every single season. And they're cutting them off. But you know what, as as Lauren says, let's concentrate on Celtic if that's what they want to do. I'm really keen to get your thoughts on everything we're discussing. Gordon Coney, if Carter Vickers Hatati and O'Reilly are to extend their contracts, it will show massive belief in Rogers' vision for the season ahead. And to add real quality around these guys will put us on another level. I totally agree with that. I'm really gutted, um, unless someone can tell me otherwise, that tomorrow's game, even though it's just a, 
a kind of bounce game to get minutes and legs, James. I'm gutted that um, we won't be able to tune into that. In this day and age, in 2023, surely somebody over in Portugal can live stream that for us on their mobile phone. Yeah, I think we had was it a preseason friendly against Wren to start our last season, where all you were getting was score updates and That's right. I think there was a video of Kyogo scoring from a corner or something like that. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll get something very similar to that, I think. Remember, I think Hearts had a friendly in Portugal last season that ended a massive brawl between them and the Portuguese <laughs> And someone in the crowd by the side in the grass was just filming that. So hopefully they'll get a brawl. I don't really want to see any Celtic players getting hurt and something like that ahead of the new just season. Just send up. a water and he'll sort it out. Yeah, absolutely. Send, 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 send to become the new victim in Yama and slam them off. Absolutely. I mean, there's going to be Celtic fans there. There are always Celtic fans at these games. So if you are from Portugal and you fancy just live streaming that, then fine. Just send us the link. Do it privately. We'll do it on the fly so we can watch it. <laughs> Stephen Sloan, I think our squad is 38 players. We're talking about a bloated squad. We need to trim that big time. I think that's something that's going to be happening in the background as well. You know, slowly but surely players will start dropping off. We've seen it with Barkas, haven't we? I think the latest one, Connor Hazard. Um, you know, signing up for Plymouth Argyle as well. There was a chat yesterday about the Spurs press conference, the first press conference involving Ange Postecoglou, James. And I've got to admit, you know, every news source today has ran with the story that obviously Rogers was still in touch with him when he was manager down at Leicester and, and Ange was up here at Celtic. I'm, I'm over it. I'm not interested. I don't want to hear about Ange. I, I mean, very quickly. Thank God you got there, mate. Surprisingly, not as quickly as Lawrence, I'm completely over it. I mean, what's your thoughts? I just want to figure figure out what's happening this season. I want to focus on Brendan. Yeah, when the Celtic brought, I, was, I never had any sort of ill feeling towards and generally I feel like I've been consistent with that over the last sort of month and a bit on the podcast. But I'm not surprised that Rogers would have been in touch with him. If you imagine Rogers as a Celtic fan, if he has the chance to get in touch with a Celtic manager and give him a couple of tips, I'm sure that everybody. We overall shout things in the stands at the games, oh, do this, sub this guy on. I mean, if Rogers has a chance to do that over a text message straight into the manager's phone, I'm sure he'll definitely be doing that. But Rogers, he's a top quality manager. I'm sure Ange would have appreciated Rogers getting in touch with him. And yeah, I don't hold any ill feeling towards Ange. There's nothing to really get over for me. Well, you know this, I don't have any ill feeling and I would like in a couple of seasons for us to draw Spurs in the Champions League and for us to get them a right good hammering and uh, Ange <laughs> still to be um, at the helm there. But there is talk, Lawrence, about a Dublin friendly between Spurs and Celtic. Is this just paper talk? Is this nonsense? I've not certainly not seen anything confirmed. Uh, I'd seen some talk about a friendly the same weekend as the, the All-Ireland final and I was like, jeez, try, try and get a, a hotel room in Dublin at the best of times. But if it's that weekend... So I've not seen anything confirmed, but yeah, you know, I suppose we'd go there if, if it's commercially lucrative for us. Could see us doing it, but the weekend I saw mentioned was the the All Ireland weekend, and couldn't see it happening then. That's the thing that'd be crazy. Commercially lucrative, absolutely. In one sense, uh, the fact that we we did have a game set up, Liam, for that particular um, you know, mm. post-Japan leg of the tour, which has now been confirmed as cancelled. Um, so it would be important to get uh, a competitive game under your belt as well, wouldn't it? Aye, good thing I didn't bother buying flights for that one. Eh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but the... Um... The, the the thing with the, the Spurs friendly, I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think that is just people, you know, 
putting different elements together and saying, oh, Spurs are free that day, Celtic are free that day, uh, so, you know, that will happen. It, you know, as Lawrence said, it doesn't make sense having an event in Dublin on the same day as the Ireland final, right? Just that, that does not make sense. Um, I don't see Spurs taking a particularly big crowd over to Ireland. I don't know if they're particularly well supported over there. Um, Celtic, you know, yes, we have a massive Irish support, but um, again, maybe not quite as big as it used to be. Um and I think uh, no, I, I just I don't. The, the, none of none of it adds up to me. It really doesn't. And I, I think it's still a bit too raw for some of the fans to have us facing off against Ange's team so soon after he's left. Even though I'm in full agreement with with, with, with James said, I, I wish Ange nothing but the best. I think he's a throughout his entire career, he's come into clubs that were in turmoil and rebuilt them, and he rebuilt us into an absolute powerhouse. And for that, he'll always have my gratitude, and I'd love to have the privilege of buying him a pint someday. Yeah. It's good um, for Celtic if he succeeds as well, because then it makes Celtic look a more attractive prospect for teams to shop in as well. We always talk uh, about teams undervaluing Celtic players or undervaluing the Scottish League. But if a guy like Ange can go over and do great things with Spurs, then teams are going to want to pay a bit more money. The market for Celtic, Celtic players, Celtic managers only goes up. I've got to think that. I think it's a good I point. I am conflicted about that, though, because on one hand, I want Ange to do well, because, like you say, it's good for Celtic's profile, and he himself seems like a good guy and deserves success. But the, the arrogance and the ignorance of those Spurs fans and the run up to him going there. I want him to do well, but I want that team to get relegated. And I can't think of a reality where those two things can happen, unfortunately. So. He'll do well. He'll get another move somewhere else. Then they can get relegated, Liam. What, what do you think the, the take is then? Because obviously, uh, Rogers left us for, for Leicester. Ange left us for Spurs, James. What is the kind of take on how Rogers over the piece did at Leicester because we've had someone like Alan Morrison looking at his performance and pointing out the fact that the first three seasons were very, very good, um, you know, all things considered. Um, is that because of the, the the way the English game where your stock is up and down so rapid that uh, the success is forgotten about? Is Brennan Rogers deemed to have been a failure at Leicester, didn't So I feel like if you look at over the course of it, if you take, what, three good seasons, then one very bad season, does that automate it, automatically make it a horrible spell at Leicester? I feel like I don't know. I think Leicester getting, what was it, three top five finishes in a row at an FA Cup. I think it was the first FA Cup in a very long time as well. Plus, they made some star players as well at the club that would make the club a lot of money. James Madison went for, I think it was around 40 to 50 million. There's a lot of the players that he identified. We've spoke about some of the players he identified that didn't work out, but there's also the players that you built the spine of the team around that succeeded as well, like your Madisons, your Ndidis. So I think you would have to look at it as a whole, say as much as the ending wasn't very good, the, the first few years were great. I think it was, you can coincide that with him getting less money as well. I think they only signed mm-hmm. one player in that summer transfer window, which was the season they got relegated. And you can look at the Celtic team, as much as the success was still there, the playing style on the pitch did start to tail off at the same time, with the money started to dry up and they wouldn't spend as much money on Brendan Rodgers. So there's so, so some very similar parallels there between Celtic and Leicester. But ultimately, the Premier League is a, more of a competitive league where if you don't spend, others are going to spend and leapfrog you. 
and that's just ultimately what happened to Leicester at the end of the day. Yeah, no, you're right. Stephen Ray, uh, welcome back to the show, Stephen. Donny van de Beek made his Ajax debut off the bench at Celtic Park in the 2015-16 Europa League. Nice start. Unfortunately, he's got two years left on a 120 grand a week deal at Manchester United. Um, we've also got Kevin Mullen in on the chat. Afternoon, Axom. Get O'Reilly, Carter Vickers and Hattati signed up on new deals. Another couple of seasons with us and sell them on for mega money. Absolutely. I mean, just like... Um, we've been talking about, you're bringing in a player for, in Hattati and O'Reilly's case, at £1.5 each, which is just astonishing uh, business. And if you can then turn that into a massive um, you know, sale, then great, not just this summer. We want to get them signed up first. Uh, Pete McGee, Charlie Turley, one of my boyhood heroes, along with Willie Fernie. What was your thoughts, Pete, on Neely Mocken, um, who obviously before my time, but uh, a favourite of mine, also an NP Mc MSCO, NPMSCO. There we go. Awata is one point seventy-eight meters. Liam, five foot ten. There you go. He's googled it. He's, <laughs> he's no six feet. So, um, I mean, are we really going to split hairs <laughs> over five centimeters? I mean, <laughs> clearly, clearly, we, clearly, we are. Um, just don't ever compare any player to Paul McStay or you're in for it, especially if you're on social media. Um, but talking of which, this is a nice wee link if you get it, but David Turnbull, there's not much mention of David Turnbull in this pre-season, James. Um, and I look at him, he turned 24, I think it was yesterday actually, he turned 24. What does the future hold for David Turnbull? Yeah, I've sort of been championing him when I was hosting the show, I was trying to make sure the fans don't forget about him he sort of when you look at when he broke through at Celtic, it's easy to look good amongst a team that's playing absolutely terrible. In a pitch black room, if you're a shining light, you're always going to stand out. And that's what that's what Turnbull did. It was just the injury, the, the poor timing around it that sort of started the free fall of his Celtic career. Not to do with any bad performances. I don't think Teddy David Turnbull's come on or he started a game. And I'm thinking this guy needs to get subbed off. I'm thinking, why have we brought this guy on? It's, I've never had anything like that towards David Turnbull. It's the sort of thing where someone's out of the team for a bit too long, fans sort of automatically start to think that they're not very good. Whereas we know, we know Turnbull's quality. I remember before Ange came in, he was, he was getting a decent run in the Scotland team as well, before the Euros. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A friendly game, so he started, I think he scored in one as well. So Turnbull, he's definitely a good player. He's a quality player, whether his future is at Celtic or it's somewhere else, we need to wait and see. We know that Rogers likes to to take a player on, kind of rebuild his confidence, Lawrence, develop him. He's got the youth on his side, certainly. He's shown, as James said, that he, he can do a job. I often felt in a game sometimes he wasn't involved enough, but he was always capable of pulling something out, you know, from distance often. Um, I thought there was a wee period last season where he came on as a substitute and he was making an impression. He was setting up goals. He, he got a few goals as well. Uh, what's your take on... David Turnbull Lawrence, do we keep him? Does he develop under Brendan? Can he be a big part of this season? If we're going to keep him, we'll need to sign a new contract. You know, his, his contract's running down. So I don't think he's going to be athletic enough or fast enough to play the, play the press in football. I think that's where he struggled under Ange. You know, the intensity that Ange wanted his team to play at. Does he really have the change of, change of play, pace as well? I'm not too sure. Yeah, he scores for distance. He, he's a decent footballer. He's looked good in some games. As you said, coming off the bench, playing against higher teams, they look better. But 
I don't think his future's at Celtic. And if it's going to be at Celtic, we need to be getting tied down on another contract because I think he's got two years left now, doesn't he? So if we keep him for a year, at the end he's got a year left, you're leaving yourself in a dangerous situation. Yeah. I mean, he's the type of player, Liam, if you're looking at his career and being selfish as a footballer, you might have one eye on all these guys going over to Italy and doing well, you know, players who, for me, not one of the guys that, that's gone over there from Scottish football has got the talent or the potential talent of a David Turnbull. I mean, I know that Hickey plays left back and he's came back and all the rest of it, but um, of the midfielders, let's say, I don't think any of them would have laced David Turnbull's boots. No, but the thing is, from Turnbull's point of view, he's also going to be looking at how well Scotland are doing just now and thinking, I want I want some of that action. Yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, he's not going to get that while he's on the Celtic bench. Um, as good a play- I mean, I think there are players getting a game for Scotland just now that Turnbull is better than. I think that's, you know, that's not up for debate. But those guys are playing first-team football every week for their respective clubs, so the manager is obviously going to pick them. Mm-hmm. Um, so Turnbull needs to either force his way into that Celtic team, which is a hell of a task, especially in midfield, as you say. That is our most stacked, um, our, our most stacked area of the park at the moment is the midfield, and um, Turnbull, is, I, I really think, is going to struggle to get a look in and. Scotland are a year away from hopefully going to the Euros again. Um, if I was him, I'd be looking at going to a mid-level English team, playing every week and forcing his way back into that Scotland squad. It's going to be interesting to see if he's still in a Celtic jersey. The B team certainly will be, and uh, the Urban Cultures came up with a good idea. I will get a sneak preview of the B team wearing the new kit. At this point, I will give it my assessment. I've already gone right in, studs up, and I'm not a fan. Urban culture well wearing it in uh, the B team game against Sligo Rovers changed my mind I don't know we'll need to wait and see listen thanks everybody for getting involved on the Tuesday Bulletin a thousand strong um, this afternoon it's been fantastic loads more I'm sure to come this week and in the coming weeks of this pre-season um, I've got to thank everybody for getting involved in the chat the chat rages on even though James, Liam and Lawrence and myself are, are chatting away I've got an eye on the chat and it's fantastic to see um, if you enjoy what we're doing give us a a follow, subscribe to us on uh, YouTube, give us a thumbs up on the video as well and our next event is up at the end of this month, it's with Roy Aiken, one from uh, my era, Big Roy he had a hairdo like that a wee bit as well in the 80s, everybody did James uh, Roy Aiken the bear um, and obviously I will be asking him questions on stage at Barra's Art and Design at the end of this month there are some tickets available, the link is underneath the video, come along, say hello to some of the Axon troops, one of these days Liam, we'll get you over for Japan for one of these gigs, or indeed you can invite us over there and we might just mm. bring the uh, road show over to Japan as well thanks everybody for getting involved and thank you to James, Liam and Lawrence for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind
Podcast Network.